0: Listen in now for the Practicing Happiness series, featuring Christine's interviews with experts in the art and science of happiness, and discover how you can master life in a way that will help you fulfill your human potential.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Let's go ahead and begin by taking a golden pause. So wherever you are, sit comfortably. If you're sitting in a chair, just uncross your legs and sit upright. And if you're leaning back against something on the floor, go ahead and sit Indian style with your hands open on your lap and just begin to breathe with me. And of course, if you're driving, just pay attention to the road. Just use this as a breathing exercise to get super centered in your body. All right, so let's begin. Go ahead and take a deep breath in through your nose. And as you do so, allow your chest and your belly to Fully expand, taking in the maximum amount of oxygen.
2: And as you exhale, just let go deeply. Even let out a sigh. Just let go. And as you breathe in,
1: breathe in golden sunlight all the way to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being. And as you exhale, just relax and let go.
2: And this time as you breathe in,
1: breathe in love, pink, yummy love throughout your whole body, to your heart, into your core, into your chest, expanding in love.
2: Filling with love.
1: And as you exhale, go ahead and let go of fear. Let go of any tension you feel. Allow your shoulders to drop, your hands to be
2: heavy. And just let go.
1: This time as you breathe in, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart. And just spend a moment thinking of just one thing, one simple thing to be grateful for that you feel grateful for could be just taking this time, this breath for you. And as we linger in gratitude, if it feels right for you, just allow a soft smile to come across your face.
2: Breathing in sunlight. Letting go and relaxing deeper into that gratitude space. And now as you take just one more deep breath in, exhale
1: and open your eyes. We have a very special guest today as part of our Practicing Happiness series. And I'm so um, honored to invite Lisa Cypress Kamen into this series. Through her wide-ranging decades-long career, Lisa has an M.A. and has refined for herself and many others worldwide the pursuit of happiness, documentary filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, syndicated radio show host, and lecturer. Lisa is first and foremost an expert in the skill of harvesting happiness, even under life's most challenging circumstances. Lisa is the author of Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, Reintegration Strategies for Depression, Anxiety, Anger, Grief, and PTSD, and Perspectives on Addiction, a Multi-Step Journey to Wholeness. In her practice, she, fo- in her practice she focuses on addiction trauma and life crisis recovery, helping clients balance their minds, bodies, and emotions to transform their post-traumatic stress into post-traumatic growth for warriors, their families, and anyone willing to channel their energies towards a more peaceful, fulfilled, and contented way of life. You can find Lisa's podcast, Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, featuring highlights of her syndicated and internationally broadcast radio show, spotlight interviews and talks with experts in the fields of personal growth and self-improvement. She's a TEDx speaker, and her work can also be found on the Huffington Post, Positively Positive, and Inspire Me Today websites. Lisa lives with her family in Southern California. Welcome, Lisa. I'm so happy to speak with Hi. you. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm very- happy to be with you. Yay. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you for coming on again. I just want to let you all know that I had a really off day not long ago. I We did this interview, and I invited Lisa on and I had to actually do something I've never done before and had to call her back and say, you know, I just I feel like that was so off that I would love to do this over again. Can we have a do-over? And she was so gracious to say yes. So here we are. <laughs> oh, I'm glad, I'm glad we got to do it again. We got to spend
3: more time together and, and that's a good thing. So I'm grateful too.
1: Yeah, so you know, let's let's begin there because let's let's talk we talk so much about happiness and Let's talk about those off days that we have. You know that there are days where it doesn't matter, you know, how much you know about happiness, how much you are happy most of the time, but the reality is is that we all do have off days. And this is where I love this whole series about what it means to practice happiness because happiness comes easy on the days that we're feeling like the joy ride and happiness doesn't come so easy on those off days. So I want to start there with you, Lisa, like what do you do in your personal life, first of all, to harvest more happiness? And and what do you practice? Like how do you get yourself back on track more quickly on those off days?
3: Oh, these are great questions. Firstly, I recognize that life is not always happy. You know, that part of being alive is the peaks and valleys that we experience and a full understanding. We have a full agreement with life that we're not always going to get a happy day every day. So with that understanding, I, I go from there. Um, and because I come at positive psychology work and my approach to working with clients a little bit differently in that I am a former depressed person. So I have organic clinical depression in my my bloodline, and I have in the past experienced some very rocky periods in my life where I was really immobilized by depression, and once I um, gained an understanding through therapy, through study, through going back to school to get my degree in psychology, I began to really understand fully that it's our relationship to the events that happen to us that affect our emotions.
1: Yeah, I so agree with that. And I would even say that it's our relationship to our thoughts about the events that happen to us that truly affect our emotional wellness too. You know, I would
3: agree. and It's funny. I I often tell people you should not necessarily believe everything that you think, (laughs) see, and feel. Yeah. You know, (laughs) because the choir is very chatty. You know, the choir that lives in each one of our minds it's very powerful. And because the brain does have that negativity bias pre wired into it that is very primal, it's very reptilian. And it, you know, it goes back to the caveman days where it's, you know, um, kill or be killed, always being hyper vigilant and alert to keep oneself safe. Well, we don't have the saber tooth tiger necessarily running after us today externally. But we do internally; that
1: response is still there. Yeah, and it's so outdated, isn't it? <laughs> like it you said, is. It it's is. Like but we the, don't but have the, the saber tooth tiger yeah. running after us. It's a very outdated response. Yet we, it's it's something that we all have to understand and be aware of when it shows up for us, and it and it shows up
3: for everyone. Oh my gosh! Of course, you know we are an, we are an overworked, overstressed underrested, <laughs> undercared for society it's um it's crazy you know we and i think one of the um, best parts of what we're learning today in self-improvement and, and and personal transformation is that we really have more control and dominion over our lives than we believe ourselves to possess
1: because we have control and dominion over the choices that we make on a moment-to-moment basis, and that's why yes. what we practice in our lives really does grow stronger. And so, what what are some of the key life practices that you teach and that you bring people to to help them get back on on their off days? You know, because I always say that it isn't that we're happy all the time, and it isn't that we're going to ever stop experiencing lows, but it's the distance, if you can shorten the distance between your low and getting back on track to what feels right and true and when, what feels good in your life, then, then that's, really, that's really the key to the longevity of feeling good and feeling happy. And so much of that is, is what you practice grows stronger in your life. And so I would love to just hear, like, what do you practice and what do you teach people to practice?
3: Well, I first start with the moment-by-moment moment response, if you will. You know, like um, we may not be able to have a, a, a full good day. You know, if let's say we're, we're we're working through something, we have a loss, or we're mourning, or we're grieving, or something bad has happened. We may be only to, it may only be able to find a couple of good minutes in the day. Mm. So that's where we start. You know, we, we we sort of take what we can get and then amplify it. And the practices are very, very simple. You know, we've all heard them before. They are, you know, practicing gratitude and awareness for the things that are right with life, um, minimizing while not ignoring the things that are wrong. You know, it's important to acknowledge when things aren't going well, when we can um, exercise problem-solving skills to make a situation better, but sometimes we have no power over that situation. So we've got to make the best of, of a bad deal. So there, there's that element. And then there is, um, you know, how we care for ourselves. What is the relationship that we are having with ourselves? Are we sleeping enough? Are we eating enough? Are we exercising enough? Are we getting outside into the sunshine? Are we making time to have some heartfelt connection with those that we love? Are we being of service? Are we using the gifts that each one of us possess um in service not only to ourselves and those we love, but outside the immediate circle, you know, to make an impact on the world at large and the world around us. And this, that can be done very, very easily. It doesn't need to be even uh, volunteering, although I really recommend that for somebody who's going through a hard time and who is depressed, to be of use to someone else. But it can be a tiny act, you know, putting, you know, I, I teach my kids, or when they were little I would teach them about meter money. You know, to go to some uh, someone's expired meter and pop a few coins in, you know, it, it it lifts one's mood. Little things.
1: Yeah, it really is the small things, and and I think that a lot of times if you're um, feeling depressed or you're feeling low, then you you kind of start to believe that that potentially that feeling is never going to go away, and I think this is like sort of the difference between a younger mind and a more mature mind. And, and certainly it was the case for me. I remember um, when I was younger, in my early 20s, having these shocking moments of depression and feeling like, wow, this is, this is what my life is right now. And thinking for just that time that this was the way life was because that's what it, how it appeared to me. And then as I matured as a woman and I started to realize these, you know, different principles of happiness that Richard and I have taught, or Richard, you know, and I were learning at that time and now teach was that you know it's it's tempting to buy into that picture of reality and and it's 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 very luring because of course it feels very real. But once you realize that this too really does pass and that all it's really going to take is your mood to elevate just a little bit. you know. And like you say, swing out of that kill-or-be-killed mode and be more into the positive realm. And you know, I just heard it recently said that we're 49% negative and 51% positive and that there's this neutral space in between where we swing. And it's like all you have to do is get yourself to swing to neutral in order to start to feel more positive. And then in that positive state, that depressed feeling that you had really goes away pretty quickly, doesn't it? It does, but
3: it requires an
1: action. Yeah. You know, um, we can't think
3: our way out of emotional states. You know, we used yeah. to hear these buzzwords, you know, just, just think positive thoughts, you know, and I, I believe that it's not as simple as that. It's, it's about doing positive action And the thoughts will follow. The emotion actually follows the action. So if you're seeking to elevate your mood, you know, and I'm doing the air quotes so you know, be more happy, which is, you know, we always joke on our show about the annoying yellow smiley face. It's really (laughs) not. We're not talking about that saccharine sweet um, kind of form of happiness. We're talking about really the essence of well-being. Mm. So to serve one's well-being, you know, and elevate that level of well-being you have to do something that actually um um fertilizes that
1: yeah and i think don't you believe like doing things that help you be in your body and and have a full embodiment of your experience help too like for me it's it's like walking or it's getting out or it's driving you know even just the simple act of taking a shower sometimes shifts my energy and my mood and and, um, and self-care, you, you talk a lot about self-care practices as being one of the really critical inches of, of happiness.
3: I do. I, I'm a huge believer in taking good care of ourselves because it not only um, serves our own health and fitness on every level, but gives a good model for our children and our family members and our communities. But, you know, you, you mentioned about the embodiment the golden moment that you started our segment with was very powerful and I was I was really thinking deeply into it and aware of how fully present I was and how it's the only moment that I I will have right now
1: that's beautiful and And that is the essence of what the golden pause is for so thank you (laughs)
3: yeah yeah. it's Well, and, how, and why can't we have um, these golden pauses all day long, which bring us back to safety? Because, you know, one of our primal concerns is safety, safety and security. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we, we are hardwired, right, for, for food, safety and procreation. And when we get off balance, it's because we feel that on some level our safety is being threatened or has been compromised. So when we can train the mind to um, find solace in the moment,
1: we uh,
3: reaffirm that life is okay, even though it may not be perfect.
1: Mm. I love that. I love that. And you know what I I really love about you know what you're saying, and also practicing, you know, say a golden pause or a meditation or you know waking up peacefully is that. Even in your conscious state and when you're having conversations and you're in difficult moments in life, when you've practiced going to those places inside yourself, that you know, really yummy, peaceful, present, embodied place, is so much easier to connect to your breath and even be listening to somebody and be in that place with your eyes open, you know, not going through like the whole structure of the golden pause, but actually creating that golden pause within the structure of your conversation with somebody. And I find for myself, like that's the way to really open my heart and to um, really be present, which is such a principle of practicing happiness. And gosh, Lisa, you're just full of so much, a wealth of information and knowledge. (laughs) And I'd love to dive into just for a moment, your work with veterans and post-traumatic stress and and, um, and how that plays out and how, how do you teach them because they've been truly under um, life circumstances of true danger, of true hyper amygdala response and, and, and also have seen things and done things that they feel a lot of shame for. And how do you, you know, teach them to get back to happiness? What's your first step with them?
3: Well, this is a really – these are very good questions because veterans when – and first responders, you know, so it can be police, fire, paramedic. I, I, I work a lot with that population. And when they first come to me and hear that, you know, I'm a, a positive psychology coach and I'm, I'm a happiness expert and I'm, I'm brokering in joy, they roll their eyes like, oh, my God, you want me to be happy after X, Y, Z. And then, you know, you can fill in the blanks of what – of. What those things look like or could look like, and you know the response is yes. I I believe that it is possible because the interesting thing about this population is, and these are veterans and the first responders, is that they are hyper aware of the preciousness of life. They're trained in mindfulness because it's that mindfulness
1: and the mission that is what keeps them alive in their work. True. That is so true. And, you know, like if you've ever had that experience, I mean, I have, we all have, like where life just completely slows down because you are so embodied, you are so present, you are so mindful. That's a beautiful point. Yes. And when they realize this, they go, oh my God, you're
3: right. I never thought of it that way because, you know, a lot of um, this population has not really cultivate that, the, the, the spiritual side or the emotional life, because A, because of age and experience, because they're young, uh-huh. most of them. So that development has not come online. The other part of it is that when you just look at the brain, their brains haven't completed um, the, the, the development, the prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that governs, re, governs reason, accountability, emotional regulation, morality, completes its development around the mid-20s. So in the case of soldiers, when they're off at war and they're returning, you have these kids who are in this state of hypervigilance and they're, they're dumping adrenaline and cortisol because that's, that's what happens in the body, the stress hormones, um, but they don't possess the regulation skills yet to be able to harness and soothe and 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 modulate what has gone on. And not that they should. It's perfectly appropriate that they shouldn't.
1: Yeah, and this is kind of I mean I've heard that this is why some armies in different worlds choose young kids, you know, is because they're sort of disassociated a lot of times with the act because their prefrontal cortex isn't developed. They don't they can do things yeah. that adults can't do with such, you know, with, in, in, in such an easy way because they just don't have that connection, that deep connection to morality yet. And, and um, yeah, that's so fascinating. I mean, brain science is just really fascinating. It's definitely been the hot, sexy conversation of this era. <laughs> I mean, this last five years for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's,
3: you know, understanding how our brains and bodies work I believe is part of the medicine, because yeah. once you tell somebody, you know what, your trauma response is because, you know, your amygdala has been hijacked, you know, I mean, uh, your, your prefrontal cortex has been um, uh, hijacked by the amygdala because it's, it's in that fight or flight response. So it makes perfect sense that you're not in that rational mind. You're, you have no regulation. Um, your body is responding just as it was designed to do to protect you when you have an excessive exposure to stress. So the post-traumatic response is the way the body protects itself. And the flip side of it is that, you know, through guidance or with guidance and with skill building and with um, learning how to emotionally regulate and going back self-care, because somebody who has been traumatized usually is not in good self-care.
1: That's so true and it is the first place to start you know intuitively without ever really hearing that that's always where i've started when i don't feel well or you know and even i remember um just shortly after richard's death you know i you know there's this little like very this time period where all you're doing is surviving but i remember intuitively knowing things about like don't drink alcohol you know, because for me that just seemed like dangerous land, you know. And I, maybe it wasn't even intuitive. I did know that. Like I I knew like not to, you know, I also didn't want to numb out. I also knew that feeling um, was going to give me my pathway, that if I could follow the threads of my feeling and and allow those feelings to be there but, but also allow to, them to empty, you know, to let go of them, you know, because that's the other thing I think that happens for people who are going through loss and who are under a lot of stress is they it, we don't know how to do that exchange of, like, going into our feelings but also letting them go and letting something new arrive, you know. And, and that's sort of the dance, isn't it? It's like emptying one out and being open to what comes next. And sometimes it's surprising because even in the deepest grief, What you can experience is your highest bliss. And I just find that so paradoxical.
3: I agree. And my experience with the pinnacle of grief is it also um, highlights the exquisiteness of being alive, you know, to feel, to be able to feel so deeply. Um, and, and, and many of us run from it, you know, we don't want to feel it. So we, we do numb or we do risky behaviors that temporarily take us out of, of our feelings because we are are afraid that we will die from the pain of the suffering, which it couldn't be farther from the truth.
1: That is so true. That fear of that we're going to die from the pain of suffering. That is so true. Actually, It is so far from the truth, because it is the, it is. Unfortunately, you know, I just I had this um, talk with somebody else recently about the paradigm of suffering. But, but the reason why it's a paradigm is because it it actually it is part of our growth cycle. Is that when we suffer, it wakes us up, and if we're fortunate enough to be broken open to the awakening aspect of it, then it it does heal us into our next best version of ourselves, and we are able to experience a greater joy and a greater feeling of being alive because of that suffering and what it has opened in us. And I think that's the that's the gray water for people who don't necessarily experience that opening. And, you know, and I always used to say like when people ask me, you know, could you prepare for loss? And I always used to say, well, you know, the way you prepare for loss is not how you live. It's really how you practice life on a day-to-day basis that will come back to you. And and even though it won't feel like you're practicing the same happiness tools, in some ways you are because just going back to the self-care aspect and what I was beginning to say about my own routine was that just practicing high self-care and, you know, but gentle, being very gentle with yourself, you know, that's not necessarily the time unless it's your way to train for a marathon maybe gentle hiking or you know taking in the outdoors in in a really gentle capacity might be a better choice and I don't know sometimes people do um, find their grief is healed through like training hard it's it's really an individual process isn't it Lisa
3: I, I agree. And you, you would also ask me about my personal um, routine for self-care. And I'm, I'm a big hiker. I love being out in nature. I um, do yoga. I have the great pleasure of being able to do it on the beach regularly. I, I'm nice. part of a practice that is on the sand, which is really fabulous. Um, spinning. I love to cook. I love to write. I... I love to listen. You know, I, I'm I'm actually in a perfect field because when I'm able to like fully engage and listen, I'm out of myself. I'm out of my head, and I'm fully present and holding space for someone else. And that is very life affirming.
1: Well, you just sound like a lover of life, girl. <laughs> I I went after on it my own heart. Day, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, with the, you know, the expression when we were young, this is not a dress rehearsal. It's true. <laughs> so This is true. it. It's, it's on, right? <laughs> it's on. Well, gosh, Lisa, I feel like we could just talk for hours and hours and hours, but I want to remind people of your book. Now, when is your book coming out, and when will the pre-order start? Oh, it says March of 2017, so it'll be this spring. But meanwhile, you can yeah. find... Yeah, and I remember the, the book is called... Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. And published this spring, and I just want to say that you can um, find out more about Lisa if you go to um, www.harvestinghappiness.com. And what would be your parting, what would you like everybody to hear from you as your parting statement, Lisa?
3: Oh, I you know I think it's important to remind people that you know joy is a practice. You know that we have, we are born with the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable,
1: mm. and it's
3: that choice thing. You know That's that really beautiful. needs to
1: click in. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. And wow, this this conversation went so much more smoothly. Can't thank you enough. <laughs> Oh my
3: gosh, it really it was just like like just very silky and and yummy and I'm very grateful to you. Thank you for supporting my work and allowing me to come on your show and anytime we can do more. We can find other other things to talk about and share and you know, do more together. I would like that. Absolutely. So, well, we'll have you we'll touch. have you
1: on again right before your book launches and I just want to thank you so much and we're so lucky to have people like you that have, you know, come through your own struggles in life to teach others how to do so. And you clearly do it from such a heartfelt and open and really wonderful place, Lisa. So thank you so much.
3: Oh, my pleasure. And you too. You know, this is the hero. This the quintessential hero's journey, right? That, that you know, we have the separation from that life that we've uh, become accustomed to. Something upends us. We're thrown into um, uh, the forest. You know, Joseph Campbell called it the forest. And it's an initiation, right, a rite yes. of passage into unknown territory um, upon which we find our holy grail, whatever those gifts are. And then in order to return, it's our job to share those learnings with yes. those around us. Yes. That's, that's it. That's, that's the, the, the simple storyline. It's so, it's so perfect.
1: It does fit perfectly and just thank you so much for being on the Practicing Happiness series and much love to you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Practicing Happiness series on the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with Christine Carlson. Chris has a free gift to offer you. Do you need a daily reminder to practice happiness? You can download a beautiful free print and lock screen for your phone and computer featuring a quote from Dr. Richard Carlson. The reminder you need will be at your fingertips daily. This free gift can be found at christinecarlson.com forward slash happy. Download it now.